and we decided to defer our demo day to the next batch. And what that allowed us to do was kind of regroup and ask the question, what's next? What do we do with this new data point that we have? And honestly, two weeks later, we wrote the first code for Welcome. It was a really quick decision for us, and I'm glad we did it. NPS I Love You is a weekly customer success podcast for people who know that CS is about more than just churn and upsells. It's about people. I'm your host, Ben Wynn, and my goal with this show is to give you powerful insights that'll improve your life and the lives of your customers. Roberto Ortiz is the co-founder and CEO of Welcome, an award-winning virtual event platform that enables you to produce high-quality internal and external events that can be run like an interactive TV show. Roberto, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good. How have you been? Not nice bad, to meet you. man. So nice to meet you as well. Where, where are you based out of? I'm in uh, Manhattan. Yeah. How about you? I am in San Juan, Puerto Rico, believe it or not. Kind of oh, crazy wow. story there. Yeah. My family is from Puerto Rico, and so... My wife and I have a little girl, she's a year and a half. And we said, you know, whenever we have kids, it'd be kind of cool to try doing this Puerto Rico thing where family is. Mm -hmm. And during lockdown, we said, hey, we said, you know what? Let's try it out and see how it goes. So we moved um, late last year and we've been here ever since. So we'll, we'll see how it nice. goes. Yeah. How, how has it been so far? It's been great, honestly. Like, you know, I had to convince my wife a little bit to give it a shot <laughs> and, uh, now she's the biggest fan. Now she's like, nice. so when you see a little kid sort of start to embrace some of the culture things, small things, like mm. now her first language is Spanish, right? My wife doesn't speak right. Spanish, but I do. Um, and so you and your daughter can, you know, yeah, talk. But, yeah, you know, we can. Yeah, but now when she wife. interacts, yeah, when she, yeah, yeah, exactly. But now when she interacts with like, uh, you know, uh, auntie or grandma and, it's just easier. So now she's actually counting all her numbers are in Spanish. It's not English. And so to see that, it's kind of cool because we know, yeah, we know she could be English. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Our, uh, my CEO at Catalyst has uh, just multiple periods in his calendar where it just says baby time, do not book. I think his daughter is also a year and a half. Not sure how her Spanish is, but. <laughs> well, you should probably connect us because, yeah, because we're. Yeah. We probably have a lot to talk about, so I would love to talk. I'm sure, um, yeah. You could do a whole other parenting <laughs> podcast after we this should. with him. We should. You know, it's funny because now I'm meeting more folks in the same season where you have like a quarantine baby, but you're also running a startup, and there's so many yeah. similarities there. Uh, but it's funny because I do also, I have a block of time, and it's in my evenings, which you think that would always be personal time, but it's not when you're running a startup. So it's yeah. like I have like this three to four hour chunk called golden hours family time. And mm -hmm. that's my time. That's a time with the baby girl. That's a time when I'm with my wife. And believe it or not, Ben, even from day one of Welcome, I had that on my calendar. And what it's done is set the precedence of, you know, building a culture that's, that's family first. It's, it's amazing because now you get new employees and they try to book time on my calendar and we make it public so you can see. You can see that, mm -hmm. hey, this is a core thing. And as we're recruiting people, one of the biggest concerns we're not the 21 year old startup founder, right? Those we, we yeah. were now we're, you know, building families as well and businesses and to have that level of assurance to say, look, even the leadership team, we have these blocks of time to just be present. And that's important. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, sets the tone for the whole company right from the get go. Like, had you been in startups before when that wasn't the case? So right when you started welcome, you were like, we got to do this from the start. Or was it like a mentor that told you or, or from YC? What was the impetus for? Starting off that way. 
for me, I've always been super family oriented to default, even like throughout my career. I've been one to be, you know, work, work really, really hard, but it's also, I love the work that I do. So it becomes almost like you have, if you don't put the boundaries in place, I can just go. Right. And so mm-hmm. in order to protect my, myself and those around me, it's like, let me just put these boundaries in place and everyone wins. And so I did that throughout my career. And even now with, with welcome is just a little bit more important because, you know, you have to model what you want. And so mm-hmm. modeling the time to say, you know what, that's just crazy, but I'm actually going to take this Friday off and, and go for a three day with my family. Or yeah. last month it was mental health awareness month. And especially in a fully remote company, we're on screens all day and people don't realize, but you tend to work actually more because you're just two steps away from your machine and you're not, yep. you know, the two hours of commute every day. And so we just said, Hey, like even a few weeks ago, we gave everybody the Friday off and it's kind of crazy. Cause it's like, we're a startup and all this, but we said, Hey, unplug, cancel all meetings, no meetings booked, turn off your Slack and go do some good mental health disconnect and then let's share ideas. And so it was, it was a good time. So I think for us, for me personally, it's more of a culture driving thing. It starts, it starts as a personal mm-hmm. thing for me, but what's the fruit of that is that the company is starting to adopt that in a real way. When's the uh, yeah. company retreat in Puerto Rico? Hey, you know, it's funny. We have employees coming out here all the time. We just had a bunch oh, yeah. of employees. Yeah. 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 We just had it's a, a bunch of employees fly out. <laughs> great perk. Great perk. It's, it's funny because it's, it's on our, uh, our recruiting page. But it's one thing we want to try, right? It's like we have this unconventional way of an opportunity of building a company that's differentiated. Um, and because of starting remote first and remaining remote first, we need those opportunities where we get some face time as well. And oh, so yeah. we, we have this perk and we have this you know place out here in Puerto Rico and we're testing it out this year and we'll see how it goes. But at a high level, it would be amazing to have these pods around the world yeah. where people can come and coexist. It's kind of nuts because you think about as a startup, people tend to huddle up in a home and work. And we've done this, you know, me and my founders have been working together for 10 years. We've been like, we'll make wontons together and then we'll just go debug something. And then I'll go make mm-hmm. some empanadas together and then we'll go debug something. But and then to see that even carry out as we're scaling the company, like this is, it's one build, it's one house with like six bedrooms and we have workstations in every bedroom, but we cook together and we eat together and somebody's birthday and somebody made a birthday cake. And this is like this nice crazy experience, but it's, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That's cool that you and your co-founders have been working together for 10 years. From what I know, I mean, you were initially working on a restaurant software startup and then yeah. because of the pandemic, you then pivoted to welcome, which is very cool beautiful software and i'm excited to dig into that yeah i'm curious was let's see let's see how quickly you can can you compress 10 years into uh 60 seconds (laughs) so crazy story i was working at lockheed martin backstory Mm -hmm. on that i got recruited to lockheed when i was 16 amazing opportunity for me and i come from inner city philadelphia and it was this opportunity where they were recruiting top high school students and i gave it a shot i was in love with design and software at that time taught myself how to do all the coding and developing myself as a kid that saved up money and bought my first machine. And it just became a catalyst to build nice. where I am today. Right. And so yeah, in that season, I was there for about 10 years, believe it or not. And Jerry, wow. my co-founder was working at Lockheed Martin in California. And 
he was starting to dabble in, you know, mobile app development. And I was dabbling in mobile design and we had a mutual friend that connected us and the rest is history. We got to work together fully remotely, by the way, we, we built our first company together that way. That company went on to be acquired by Yahoo. We started just keeping it going after that acquisition, we worked together as well and then moved to Denver. And then we got back together and said, Hey, let's get after it again. And we started kicking yeah. tires on different ideas. And that's when we landed on the restaurant space as one of them. And we kept working from there, but yeah, that 10 year journey has been so rich. And I think that, you know, for us, we're sitting on a bedrock of trust and that's, that's yeah. a hard thing to come by these days. And and something yeah. that you can finish the other person's thought and, you know, as a co-founding team, what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. So I'm a designer. And so I can, they can trust that, you know, you know what, I'm gonna go do the best design possible here. And I'm going to trust that Tiger is going to do the best implementation here. And I'm going to trust that Jerry is going to do the best uh, execution on that side so we can move fast. And I think that yeah. those years is, has become super fruitful for, for Welcome Now because as three founders, we can take on meaty, big problems. And then we can also, you know, sort of uh, balance each other out in the areas that we need some support in. Hard to find, but when you yeah. find it. <laughs> You, you, I'm glad you've, you've held on to it. Clearly, it's worked out well. You guys have figured out a good, uh, a good yeah. dynamic, and clearly it's working. But yeah, let's, yeah. let's uh, dig into some more of the welcome stuff, because I think it's yeah. crazy that you pivoted from restaurant technology to event technology right at the start of COVID. How did you make that leap? It's interesting. So we got into Y Combinator in 2019. Like I said, me and my co-founders were working together for 10 years. And this idea, a friend of ours um, was domain expert in the space. and Restaurant space? Yeah. And we were like, you know what? We can actually understand the logistics here and how to optimize it. Now, it was basically on the side of the sourcing of restaurants and their, their goods, right? It wasn't so much the delivery side and the consumer side. It was how do you connect a restaurant to a wholesaler and optimize that experience, right? You know, it's mm, a crazy okay. story is that Growing up, I spent my summers in Puerto Rico and my grandfather and now my uncles and even some of my cousins have been on the wholesale side of the business oh, wow. where they would like move truckloads of avocados and plantains and deliver it across different restaurants and bodegas. And it's funny because it didn't even occur to me when we were working on our, this new startup that there were some inclinations of some history there as well um, from my family side. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, so we got into Y Combinator, convinced my wife to move back to San Francisco from Denver. At the time, we had a three-year-old baby girl and my dog, my boxer dog, and we stuffed ourselves into a studio in San Francisco and said, this is going to work. It's going to be great, honey. <laughs> and I got into Y Combinator. We started working on it, mm -hmm. launching this startup to connect restaurants and wholesalers in that market. And week over week, we were seeing some traction and building. But at the same time, there was this bigger narrative happening that we weren't even aware of that would become pivotal for us. In fact, to lead to our pivot. And it was COVID. COVID, the headlines began getting more real, more serious. And we're heads down working, working, working. And then you'll hear another headline. It's like, okay, this thing seems like it's it might become a thing. In that time frame, we, we were getting ready to go to demo day. But mid-March, San Francisco went to a lockdown like full on lockdown, everything shut down. And with that, our customers shut their doors because 
we were selling right. software to restaurants, right? So imagine me trying to go knock on a restaurant doors and convince them that they can get better avocados at a better price with our platform. Right. It wasn't relevant. It wasn't going to work, right? They were trying to keep their businesses open and keep serving their customers while this unpredictable and serious pandemic was just beginning to take over. So what we decided to do was just put a pause on it. And that was hard, Ben, because we were building. We were in the process of building. And when you run into some unplanned circumstances like a pandemic, uh, you have some decisions to make, right? You, you, you're going to say, look, we're going to figure out how to make this work in this space. Or is there another opportunity brewing up? Mm -hmm. And what we, what we decided to do was actually went back to Denver, took two weeks, unplugged. YC was incredible with handling that batch as well that got hit with like this news of COVID. We were in the middle of meeting in person and then went virtual. And we decided to defer our demo day to the next batch. And what that allowed us to do was to kind of regroup and ask the question, what's next? What do we do with this new data point that we have? And honestly, two weeks later, we wrote the first code for welcome. It was a really quick decision for us. And I'm glad we did it. And then, okay, so walk us through welcome. Yeah, absolutely. So today, Welcome is a virtual events platform for the enterprise, right? There's a lot of different flavors of virtual events and the types of events you can do. But at the core of it, we, we help scale beautiful and highly engaging experiences. When you double click into the enterprise, it goes heavily into internal events as it does external events. And that's a unique sort of proposition for us and our customers. Welcome today is a fully remote company and we have customers that have adopted that remote friendly strategy to the core of their business now. That's top of mind for everybody. And so we have fast growing companies like the Brex of the world to Fortune 500 companies like Adobe. And you know, many of our customers will say the reason why they choose Welcome probably falls into the quality and design and the focus we put on that at the core of our experience. And I can unpack that and how we made that core to the DNA of Welcome. But the bias there is I'm also a designer as we've been working through many startups and over 10 years of work together as founders. There's this balance of saying, you know what, we have to launch before you're ready. Your MVP should be embarrassing because you have to get it out to market. Then you iterate. And we've done that before. But this one, we took a different stance. We, we asked ourselves, look, there's going to be noise in the space. How do we stand out? And if we put design and quality at, at its core, that means that we have to deliver. That means that a feature has to deliver the promise of, a, of an outcome. And we decided to double down. And so after we pivoted, if there's anything that adds value to quarantine is building a startup during quarantine because you have no other distractions. You can't go out and do anything but code. It's a silver lining. So, it's a silver lining. Absolutely. And so me and my two founders, we were just heads down, us, all three of us building out this platform. Three months later, we launched it. And it wasn't like a public launch. It was literally just like in that process, building really close to the customer. We got a few brave customers to sign up even before the platform was built because of what we were able to articulate as our key differentiators. As soon as we opened up the doors, um, we started letting customers in. And contracts began to sign and we started to see in our ARR just kind of spike and drive up. And honestly, we had to pinch ourselves because every week over week, we would be seeing new deals coming in. And 
we were trying to figure out how do you sell enterprise software? We're a startup and we're still going after yeah. this use case and is it going to work? And long story short, in a short amount of time in the fall of 2020, we saw an, an, an immense spike of adoption. And that's when I went to fundraise and I said, hey, let's get after it. And so, Jerry, you keep selling. Tiger, you keep building. I'm going to go talk to investors. And what was started as like trying to raise a seed round, we ended up skipping a seed round in about two and a half weeks and locked in a partnership with Kleiner Perkins for a Series A, launched publicly in November, and here we are. Crazy ride. You've had it. You've had an insane year, but it's amazing. Congrats <laughs> to you and the team, man. Like it's, I, I I've looked at the product, looked at the website, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that startups make is, is what you said before is thinking that the MVP just needs to work and it can be ugly and it can be whatever. The problem with that is that people use things that, that are nice to like, look at, like if it's, if it's designed well from a UI UX perspective and it's visually appealing, people are just more inclined to use it. And then if they use it, then adoption goes up, they get more value and it's a cyclical thing. But if it's ugly, then just there's a lack of, you know, you're taking away a reason that someone would want to use your product. So it's always seemed counterintuitive to me, which is why I love that from the start, you came in with this really design-centric focus and made sure it was beautiful out of the gate. Yeah, no doubt. Ben, I, I'm glad that you that you see it that way. You know, other folks um, in the startup space have also grabbed a hold to this to say, you know what, when you design first, there's this intrinsic value of just relating to the quality that you're able to deliver as well, right? Instead of saying, hey, we deliver amazing experiences. We actually want you to feel this amazing experience. And so how do you walk you know, walk it out with a customer? So when you go through a demo, in fact, when our customers get a demo of welcome, they were like, I wish I can feel this even on your website. Our website, you know, we do mm -hmm. the marketing side and we tell the story, but our demo is even better than what we market. And that's one of those things that's typically not the case. Typically it's you're, you're selling beyond where the product is. And in our case, when folks come into our demo environment, um, you see them light up. You know, one of the things that we quote unquote coined from the beginning is we want to create jaw dropping virtual experiences. And it's, it's amazing the times during a demo when we actually see that reaction from our customers. So right now, honestly, it's a core component and pillar to welcome. The DNA of how we do things is leveling up uh, what we think it's possible, not just from a technology perspective and performance perspective, but also from a a design and user experience standpoint. I love that. And what was the decision like to go after enterprise right out of the gate? Usually you go for, you know, your smaller B2B kind of start there and then you move up and you, you kind of work your way there. Why did you guys just yeah. sort of decide off the bat to jump right in? It was a bet, honestly, but you know, one of our core values at the company is called shoot your shot. Nice. I like that. Yeah. It speaks to, you know, as a startup, you have to move with urgency. You have to take risks. You have to place bets. And we're going to learn from what we do, but we're not going to over-discuss it. We're going to take some actions and get after it and let the actions kind of speak for themselves and the results and the outcomes of that. And for us, it was a long shot to say, you know what? We want to build enterprise-grade software, right? Sales cycles take longer. There's a longer uh, procurement process. But when we launched in November and we were able to execute and land a deal with a Fortune 500 in that quarter, it was telling for us. It was sort of the push and the momentum and the confirmation we needed to say, hold on, we, we went through procurement. We're actually solving problems for the enterprise. 
we've worked at the enterprise for a long time as 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 co-founders as well so we understand sort of the the complications there and the reason why we we want and we still serve the enterprise is because they have a rich set of problems it's not just a silo it's when you think about events as experiences that gather people there are so many different flavors of that at the enterprise right and especially today when we see our customers leveraging welcome to drive their internal comms when you think about sort of a sticky and relevant problem to solve especially yeah. in the, this day and age when companies are scaling and remote they're doing remote hiring it's imperative to drive a consistent communication across all teams and right now the default has been using zoom and zoom is great for us to connect and have a meeting but when you invite an employee to jump on a zoom all hands and that's supposed to be the pinnacle event of the week that drives culture it's lacking a ton but when you invite an all hands experience onto welcome then you see employee engagement shoot through the roof and you see the dynamics of what we do at welcome through the features that we create it just allows uh, the producers and the and folks that manage those events the creative freedom to really bring their events to life for us we decided to go for, for the enterprise there was a risk there no doubt but the beautiful story on the other side of that is how our platform is enabling experiences that weren't even uh, a thing before they brought in welcome Today's show is brought to you by Catalyst Software, the fastest growing customer success platform on the market. Catalyst gives you unmatched customizability, a seamless bi-directional Salesforce integration that takes less than five minutes to set up, and a world-class customer success team that'll be by your side every step of the way. Let's be honest, whatever you're currently using might be good enough, but is good enough really what you're aiming for? Take your CS team to the next level by switching to Catalyst today. To learn more, visit catalyst.io. And if you aren't looking for a CS platform right now, you should subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn anyways. I make daily memes, we host all sorts of events, and we love to give away our swag, which has been called the comfiest swag in the industry. Again, check out catalyst.io to learn more. For, for those of you, I mean, anyone listening should get a demo of Welcome because it's beautiful software. But for those who haven't seen it yet, can you give us an example of some of those features? Like you gave an all hands as a great example. What is it specifically that differentiates or could differentiate that experience on Welcome? Great question. So Ben, it's funny because I was just talking to another CEO a couple of days ago and just got to meet him. And uh, it's funny, he has a young little girl as well. And we we're just kicking in all these things. And then I'm like, hey, tell me more about your business and what you do. And he's like, hey, have this, this, this company is a tech company and we have 400 employees and they're across all different regions. And, and then I said, hey, tell me about your um, all hands experience. He's like, it's one of the biggest challenges I have today is how do I drive the culture through this medium? Um, and for me, honestly, even as a CEO of a fast growing company, one of my key focuses is making sure, one, that we're driving the right culture, right? That's the top job of, of a CEO, making sure that not only do we crush our goals, but we build a winning culture in a place where people love to work. And when we congregate people, it should be done with intention. It should be done with a, a certain level of production when we're thinking about an event. And so when you look at what folks have been using, our customers, 
when they go from a Zoom to a welcome to drive those internal experiences, the Delta is so meaningful. You see employees in the chat light up because our chat is built for engagement. We have these emojis and GIFs and you know how people communicate in Slack all day. There's this emotive side to the communication. When you have a Zoom and a all hands where it's just one way, people feel that way. I'm being talked to as opposed to being part of, and we, we, we flip the script there. So kind of paint a picture of what that might look like is because our platform has the capabilities, we call it like studio grade uh, production capabilities around events. We enable an experience so that when you start in all hands, it's starting with clear and crystal uh, music to drive the energy. Or if you want to start in all hands with a video that's HD and crystal clear, because our customers are pushing for 1080 uh, streaming. Mm -hmm. Now you're not in being invited into a screen full of faces and half the people are ready and not ready and half the cameras are off anyway. You're actually being invited into an actual experience. And our platform also enables um, dynamic overlays. And so the idea that you can bring data set on top of video to drive a compelling narrative keeps people engaged. When you bring a customer success story and you bring that into your all hands and it's this beautifully done video that your marketing and your customer success team have worked on, you don't want to do a screen share and have that pixelated and the music to come in mudded. You want it to come in clear and drive that experience. And if you want to pull your, your attendees and your employees and say, hey, where do we going to have the company offsite? Is it going to be in the Colorado mountains? Is it going to be in New York or is it going to be in Florida? You don't want them to go find this little module and get lost or open up another tab or change the navigation. Mm -hmm. So what we do, we build our features to live dynamically on the video natively. If I'm the CEO and I'm driving this all hands and I want to gauge my employees, I bring that poll on stage, it's dynamic, people click it, it moves, you see the results in real time. It becomes additive to the experience, right? Chat lights up, people get excited. So for us, the ability to build the capabilities that drive these highly engaging experiences is core to what we do. In the all hands case, it fits like a glove because the need is there to drive culture, especially in the remote first environment. And so our customers that are bringing us in see a huge delta. We have customers sort of, um, once they do their first one, they kind of really see the difference of like, hold on, we were using this, now I see this. Just magically, just like these things hit my inbox and. I get the feedback from these events and it's like, this is 10 times better than Zoom. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, all these different things because it's just built for engagement. And I think that yeah. we need to do that more, especially as leaders, allow our employees to get engaged organically. And it's our responsibility to create that space. Right. So ho I hope that paints mm -hmm. a picture of some of the Definitely. differences there. You guys have grown like crazy and it's been a short period of time, but have you seen some early yeah. signs of, okay, we can prove that like employee engagement has increased X percent, you know, from switching from A to B or impact on revenue or those sorts of numbers. Yeah. Have you seen that kind of data coming in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back to what you guys do and the focus on customer success, we will all agree that it's about the outcomes that the customer receives, right? So how do you make those measurable? How do you make sure that as a company, we at Welcome, not only do we put customer at the center of what we do, but the question is, how do we be obsessed with their success? You know, one of the things that I drive with the customer success team is I want to make sure that the champion within that organization that has decided to sign her name on this contract to say, we're going to be value add to her, her organization. 
I want to see her promoted within the next year because she is driving so much value from what our partnership looks like that she looks like a superstar because she is a superstar, but we're enabling that value to happen on the other side of it. When we bring people in, you know, bring our customers in, it always starts on what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? And then we become obsessed about accomplishing those goals. And when we check in with our customers, we check in on those, those goals. Now, our platform, because we're virtual, we, we have a ton of data to be able to measure all these things. And so if you're looking for employee engagement, then you can definitely provide and track employee engagement week over week on the platform. If you're looking for demo requests as a sales leader, we have the, the ability to drive call to actions live during an actual experience. And so you can authentically measure how many demos were booked from this experience or how did this person actually sign up for this newsletter, being able to track that. So if you're the CMO who became the champion of this, you have your data in front of you to say, this thing is actually working because we're, we're measuring that in order to make sure that you're quote unquote successful as a customer. And so we want to make sure that you're able to see that data as real time as possible. I love that. The other half of that is you said that the, uh, you know, it's your goal to make the buyer look like rock stars, get them promoted. You want to make sure they, you know, the experience is incredible. Are there a couple of things that your team recommends that you see as like key things that people can try for their next events or the key things that people can do immediately up the engagement? Let's say if like, besides using welcome, when people are running a virtual event, you know, what are some common mistakes and a couple ideas that people can try out? First of all, we're a technology company, but when we are customer centric, we have to be mindful and empathetic that this customer is coming in and she's trying to solve a million other problems. And so what we decided to do is make sure that our onboarding process is as white glove as possible. What we do on our side is, is put a focus on helping them drive the experience for the outcomes they desire, right? In an event, there's something called the run of show. Think about it, the agenda. This is what we're covering. This is how it works. Think about it as a timeline. I would say making sure that your transitions are on point, making sure that you can actually go from a four panel on stage to a quick Q&A with employees or with a customer and that it's as seamless as possible. Well, that's not going to happen unless you've pre-planned it and you have the tools that enable that to happen easily. And so for us, it's really telling folks on our side as customers are coming in is spend time on intentionally planning the outcome you want and make sure you're building the experience experience first, don't even think about it as an event. Think about it as an experience. When you start thinking about an event, you have a certain condemnation to it. When you think about it as an experience, it invites a different creative lens to, to the narrative. When you think about it as an experience, you're asking yourself, how do I want people to feel when they first arrive? How do I want them to feel during this session? How do I want them to feel as we're coming home for a landing? And what's the action that we want them to take? And so when you think about experience first, you start to really manifest the right balance of mm -hmm. consumption and engagement. Think about the concept of your event. Don't think of it as an event, think of it as, a, as an experience. What's the, ask yourself what the experience is that you want people to have when they're giving the presentation or the talk, when they're hearing it or consuming it, and then design from that perspective, from an experience-centric perspective, not just a event execution perspective. That's right, and you know what, Ben, like one of the things that people are often afraid of is you know, things going wrong. What people appreciate is the authenticity of driving a live experience. What we encourage our customers to do is go live, think about experience first, 
drive engagement. You know, every customer wants engagement, but there's a few of them that plan for engagement. If you plan for engagement, you'll get engagement. But if you don't make space for it, then it's not going to happen. That's just another uh, key thing that we've been seeing is folks that, that plan for engagement, plan for face-to-face -face time, plan for a poll, plan for a Q&A session uh, where people can actually come on stage um, as a customer or a prospect. It just makes it much more lively. I love that ability to bring someone onto the stage really quickly and easily. You know, yeah. that, and that mimics the live events, right, where people are putting up their hand and standing up, getting the microphone, and they're on, whether they're maybe they're probably not on the physical stage, but they might be on camera or something like that to ask their question. And then, of course, you get the person who takes 10 minutes to ask their one question and then mm. tells their life story, you know. But maybe with Welcome, you can filter those people out. Exactly. Okay, so Ben, now you're, you're actually peeling back the layers of some key uh, core use cases that our customers are leveraging right now at the moment and into the future of hybrid. For Welcome, we've, we've obsessed over being as real-time as possible from, from day one. From the first line of code, we said it has to be as real-time as possible because when you get into hybrid experience, you can't have delay. You have to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to ask a question right now. People in the audience and people virtual can answer and or submit a question in real time. That use case there, Ben, when folks get in line in a physical space to ask a question, well, how is that equitable for people that are watching online? What if they have a question and their questions on welcome, you have the ability to upvote. You want the best question to make it to the stage because it's representative of what people want to hear. On welcome, we solve that problem by, by making interactive features between in-person and virtual events an equitable experience so that everyone has the same ability to submit thoughts, questions, and results in real time. So that's that's solved. Very cool. Yeah, hybrid's gonna yeah. be uh, hybrid is a whole other beast, but it's important now. It's critical. Like we're gonna have to figure it out because companies are now either fully remote or they're hybrid. It's a challenge, but it sounds like you're. I mean, it sounds like you guys are really thinking about it the right way. Um, I've definitely felt some of those pain points even in hybrid meetings I've had the last couple of weeks. And as a community and events manager, figuring out a hybrid strategy is gonna, is a challenge, and figuring out let alone hybrid execution. How, what's our strategy then? Okay, how are we going to execute this? So it's yeah. going to be an interesting year for anyone who's remotely touching yeah. events. Some folks tend to overcomplicate hybrid. If you look at sports, it's it's been a hybrid experience, right? It's been there's an audience that's in an arena, and then there's an audience that's at a pub or that's at home. So there's there's tends to be different types of audiences even after a core experience. You have one core experience, and you have in-person audience. And you have a virtual audience. One of the things to be thinking about is how do you make sure that the experience for each audience is as amazing as possible? Then the question becomes where it gets complicated and convoluted is the overlap. When and how do we connect folks that are in person and virtual? And what I would encourage is to be thinking about um, when you do this and how you execute it. And for us, we, we basically simplify it to leveling the playing field to say that if there's engagement between stage and audience, that's the overlap. We're designed to enable the in-person that's missing that virtual talk, that virtual engagement, to be as engaged with the other 300 people watching this, although you might be in a 100-person room. Cool stuff and uh, interesting problems to solve, but definitely 
I love the way you're thinking about it. I mean, we talked about hybrid events, but you know, the future of events post COVID, like, is there something that you're particularly excited about or a challenge that is still kind of keeping you up at night? You know, I think we would all agree that 2020 came a pivotal year, 2021 as well, into how we collaborate in the future of work, how we gather, how we do things. You know, one of the things that I, I like to to anchor uh, folks to is the realization that although it was one year or 18 months or 24 months of this new way of collaborating, the advancements of technology because of the constraint we had has fast forwarded years, five, 10 years of where we were going to be, we are now. So now we have the capabilities to connect in ways that we could never before because we were forced to create a solution during this pandemic to connect and keep the business going and keep culture going. What I get excited about, yes, the pendulum has swung all the way to make it remote only. And now that we're going back to this new normal, folks realize that that remote only had a lot of magic moments and that remote only also provided a lot of opportunity. And so what I get excited about is this new normal, this, this new normal that paints a picture that drives more accessibility for folks who can't travel, that drives more inclusivity as we start to recruit employees that look and think different than we do, because now we have a much more equitable company that can build for the world. You know, one of our core values, um, Ben at Welcome is called Open Doors. At its core, it's about diversity of thought and the idea that when you start to look and think like the world, we'll start to build for the world. These kind of platforms that enable that to happen, that become the catalyst to drive this type of engagement, we can literally change the way we build technology, literally change the way that we provide opportunity. And so what I'm excited about is that new normal, the new normal that says yes to remote, yes to access, and yes to a new way of connecting people. Couldn't have figured a better way to end the episode than that myself. So thank you so much, Roberto, for, yeah. for so eloquently <laughs> finishing your thoughts. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on today. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. It's great for my self-esteem. Thanks for joining us. And if you'd like to learn more about Catalyst, visit catalyst.io. P.S. I love you.